I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15 and 16. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every day? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. But someone may ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. 
but God gives it a body, as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, in weakness it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. First man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with... For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is chapter 16. Chapter 16, right? Just making sure. Okay. This is a long time. All right. Now, now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. 
I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus have arrived, because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Chelsea. Thanks, guys, for being willing to sit through a large chunk of scripture. So, hi there. Good morning. Happy Easter Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Anybody want an iPad or tablet? Um, so, I'm one of the staff here, and if you're new or you're just visiting this week or you're re- recent or whatever, or you haven't been here in a while, like Joe, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for spending this morning with us. Um, and our mission here as a church is to make and mature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. We are our church plant. We're part of a family of churches and ministries that includes four churches across the DFW area and about a dozen campus college ministries. And we are working to reach the DFW area together. That's just a little context for what we're doing here and, and why we're a little weird. Um, but we're in a, the first few weeks of a series going through 1 Corinthians, and we, as you can kind of figure out why now, skipped ahead to chapters 15 and 16 today, and we'll turn to our normal chapters 3 and 4 and so on um, next week. But uh, we really wanted to pick these chapters to talk about today because we want to delve into the deep questions of these, these chapters, like why was Apollo so hesitant to like go visit the, first, the Corinthians, you know what I mean? Like, that's what's really important today, on this day, on Easter. Let's, let's dig into those kind of questions that clearly are the highlight of Paul's letter here. Um, if I just picked out some of the random tidbits and details like that and just didn't even talk about the resurrection or chapter 15. Like, some scholars think Apollos was just really busy at this time. He was very stressed, a lot, a lot of deadlines. Um, but no, we're going to be spending most of our time um, in chapter 15. Paul has so much to say about the resurrection and has a lot to, more to say that we can really dig into um, today. So we'll talk about a couple of highlights, um, just three main takeaways I think that we can pull out today for our church um, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians in this chapter. But in a lot of ways, what's interesting too is it preaches itself. Like that section about the resurrection that Paul writes preaches itself. It doesn't really need me to say anything. So this is just a little extra. Take what you need. Take what helps. Um, but Paul did a pretty dang good job. <laughs> so... Um, my first point, really, is just, I just, as I was thinking about the resurrection this week, is just that um, the thought kept coming to my mind that we must unnumb ourselves to the importance of the resurrection. We must unnumb ourselves to the importance of the resurrection. Um, I've grown up hearing the whole, like, kind of, he's risen, risen indeed, kind of back and forth thing. Uh, even seeing, like, I know some people put, like, a purple cross in their yard or something like that. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but there's traditions like that. I've grown up with Easter bunnies and baskets and candy and all that stuff. I'm guessing that you've experienced some amount of that. 
that can make something as cool as the resurrection, something as cool as Easter, become kind of commonplace, become about something else in some ways, and become just another holiday. Um, and if I, let's be honest with you guys, there are seasons, whole seasons, not just like one year, whole you know, chunks of my life where something as important as the resurrection has become commonplace to me, has become, I've become numb to how important it is. Has anyone else felt that way before? Yeah. Raise your hands. Just, Leslie, write all of those people down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they are bad Christians. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I have absolutely felt that way. Um, and so I think for some of us, it's being numb to it. I think for the Corinthians, it's a little different what they were experiencing. Obviously, it was very recent, so they haven't had a lot of years of Easter bunnies to get tired of it, you know? Uh, what, what's going on there is, is different. It's you know, in the ancient world, almost everyone believed in some version of an afterlife. It wasn't common to be, you know, cool like we are. We, like, don't think anything matters and nothing's after we die. They all believed in some version of it, but they probably believed in this more Greek idea of, like, a, like, soul floating in the ether of the afterlife in a warm bath of the universe, that kind of thing. That was what was more tempting to them, you know? And yeah, that idea, that kind of disembodied, weird afterlife is a Greek idea. It's not Christian. It's not Jewish. Imagine that. That's kind of like seeps into our beliefs sometimes too. But Paul um, says pretty clearly in, in early in chapter 15, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, he appeared to Cephas, to twelve appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, some have fallen asleep. Also appeared to James and the apostles, and then appeared to me, Paul. This is the most important thing. Paul is like, not mincing words here. He's not like, here's something just to FYI, or just don't forget, here's a little reminder, here's some housekeeping. I passed along what was most important. Um, and so it's very sad that it is easy for something that's important to become kind of something we're used to, something we're numb to. Um, I think for some people in the Corinthian church, it was just really hard to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead in his actual same body. I think that they were um, maybe content with being like a little fuzzy on the details, like maybe he was a ghost. Maybe it was like a ghost spirit Jesus. He just came to give us a couple more, you know, tidbits of information, a couple things he forgot to tell us and not really let themselves think a lot about the details of Jesus actually rising from the dead in his same body, the same body that was crucified. Um, and they were content to kind of ignore that point. Um, and just like his teachings, you know, just like some of the things he said that Paul told them about, stick to the stuff that seemed kind of easy to digest. The fact that he rose from the dead, it's a little challenging to think about, but they were, you know, they seemed to be content not to think about that. And Paul says, that is not Okay. <laughs> It's not okay that you want to skip that part, and it's very important. It's at a very important detail, and it um, underlies the entire ministry um, that Paul has brought to them and, and preached to them. And I think, um, I think that they, it's, we like to do that too. You know, we stick to the things that are easier to digest, ideas that are kind of easy to get behind. You know, there's people who are like, yeah, Jesus was a cool teacher, in the past. I like some of the things he said. He said some stuff that sounds cool that I like. Uh, things like the golden rule or whatever. 
And um, we like to stick to what's easy to digest and avoid what is hard, <laughs> what's hard to think about. And doesn't that sound familiar to just like the Corinthians experience that, we experience that, it's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, and that's not just for, Paul's not just talking about Jesus' resurrection in this chapter. He goes back and forth talking about Jesus' resurrection and the resurrection to come in the kingdom of God. And it's possible that they may have thought that they had already just been metaphorically resurrected, you know, an idea that Paul would not have necessarily disagreed with, that we have already, like, laid to death things about our lives. We have already decided to follow a new kind of living, following Jesus. But uh, I think they were content to the metaphorical and not the literal spiritual, the literal um, raising of the dead and resurrection in God's kingdom that we will experience too. So that's just a little bit of context of, I think, some of the issues that Paul's trying to address in the Corinthian church that I don't think he takes the time to go into as much as some other things he talks about in this letter. He'll say, I heard this, I heard that, you guys are talking about this. This, this issue's going on. But he, the fact that he addresses it must mean that there are some pretty important misunderstandings, um, or at least a low ranking of this as a priority in their church. So let's think about that this week. I think we have to start there. How can we unnumb ourselves? to the idea of Jesus' resurrection and the resurrection uh, that we will experience as well in the kingdom of God. In case that you need some sort of illustration beyond just what Paul talks about, I, I sometimes try to think of what it might be like to have been back in time, back when this stuff happened, hearing about Jesus being raised from the dead, just like one of the people who is part of the crowd of 5,000 or part of the 12 or whatever. But one thing I thought about Instead, this week is, what if instead of going in the past in our imaginations, we tried to bring the story into the future, into the current where we are? So imagine here in Denton, in our town, imagine the churches don't exist. We don't know anything about anything. We're just like the Corinthians. We haven't heard about any of this stuff yet, okay? And imagine you start hearing kind of like murmurings about this guy. Let's just call him Jacob, a little different. Starts with a J, still similar. And we start hearing about him doing stuff around town. He's talking around the courthouse. He's saying some challenging things. Gerard and the city council don't like it. They're challenged by his, his, what he's saying and his teachings. He's not really on their side so much. And it gets all the way to the point of him being publicly executed because of what he's doing. And so that's something we'd all know about. That's a big deal, public execution. And then imagine a few days pass, and you start hearing that Jacob... He got killed, right? We all knew it. We all saw it. But actually, I just heard that he's alive, and he is walking around. And you'd think, I don't, I don't know about that. And you're like, no, no, no. So people saw him and talked to him. And you're like, I don't think so. It's like, no, actually, 500 people saw him and heard him say things. Jacob's alive. This guy who was saying challenging things died and was raised back to life somehow. Um, even if you didn't have, know a lot of the details and you didn't uh, have a lot of connective sort of tissue to that idea, you would want to know what's going on <laughs> uh, if there was that much evidence, if there was that much murmuring, if there was that much of a big high-profile thing like that. You would want to know what's happening. It would not be like, well, pretty cool. What else is in the news today? How's traffic? What's the weather tomorrow? That's a life-changing story that you just heard, and you're going to want to go investigate that. You're going to want to um, hear a little more about what this guy was preaching and how uh, death seems to not apply to him, I guess, <laughs> you know? So 
just if that helps you, cool. That I like, I have to get myself into different mental places like that to not be in a in a rut and a groove in a way I always think. So if that helps you, great. If not, um, then you might have to try something else. And sorry, I wasted your time. But um, I just think that before we really even talk about a lot of the ideas Paul's talking about, we have to unnumb ourselves. Or what he's saying will fall on some pretty plugged, pretty asleep ears. Um, so that's, that's step one, sort of. My second point, actually kind of talking about what Paul's saying now, is that our faith, our salvation, absolutely hinges on the resurrection. Not as sort of improved by it or sort of... Uh, helped by it. It, is, it hinges on it. It is made possible because of the resurrection. The most important thing, according to Paul. Um, I already highlighted that kind of section in, in verse 3, but um, just to reiterate that. And then also in uh, verses 13 through 19, he says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses about God because we've testified wrongly that God raised up Jesus, whom we did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our faces... Oh, did I do that twice? Oops. Anyway, you get it. And those who have fallen asleep have also perished. That means people who've died, they're not coming back. If there's no resurrection of the dead, they're dead, dead. Dead. Game over. Um, if we've put our hope in Christ in this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone if there is nothing after this life. So Paul is saying the importance of our belief in a literal resurrection of Jesus and our future selves is pretty massive. The implications are huge to our faith. And if Jesus was never resurrected, then the claims about himself that he made his whole life, including telling us that he was going to die, telling the disciples he was going to die, aren't true. And his death would not have successfully covered our sins. And if Jesus himself wasn't resurrected, then why would we think there's any hope for us to be resurrected someday after this life? Jesus, pretty great dude. If even he wasn't resurrected, why would I think I could be, you know? Like, that's not, I'm not going to apply some sort of belief like that to myself that even Jesus himself did not experience. So that's him telling us how crucial it has to be for our faith. So let yourself actually hear that today. Um, let yourself actually think about that, that it is the most important. It is crucial. It is underlying the entire thing. Um, he says that, and then he kind of explains in detail, Paul explains sort of some of his thinking about how this works. So in, in verses 21 to 22, he says, death came through a man, through Adam. The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Just as Adam, just as all who come through Adam die, so also in Christ we are all made alive. And then in 42, he says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it's written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. Then the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we also will bear the image of the man of heaven. 
So Paul's making some really cool parallels here between Adam and Jesus, between death and life, between dust, things that pass away, things that will be nothing, uh, and things that last forever. All of humankind came through a man, and this man, Jesus, if he can conquer and undo death, then this version of us, with corruption, dishonor, weakness, selfishness, bitterness, has to die so that we can be raised anew in um, a pure and glorified version of ourselves. That has to happen. That is the only way. (laughs) And this isn't just a mood that Paul was in while he's talking to the Corinthians. This is something that Paul made very central to his ministry everywhere he went, which is really interesting. So in Acts, when he's in Athens um, and preaching to them, he says, I'm preaching to you concerning the resurrection of the dead. Later in Acts, when he's put on trial and the Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are kind of mad at him, He basically just says, I'm on trial because I testify about the resurrection of the dead. So it's important that we talk a ton about this and make ourselves really think about it and beat ourselves over the head with it, which is why I'm just sounding so repetitive. This is something that Paul really was not cool with us glossing over, uh, the Corinthians glossing over. We cannot be either. And so it's the heart of his ministry. It's the heart of his church planning strategy. It has to be at the heart of what we're doing. Um, And like I said before, I think it is okay in some ways that we take some of these things metaphorically. It is great that we do lay to rest, lay to death the old self in many ways right now. But we have to, the hope that we can have in a future version of ourselves that is the original version of creation, the way that God intends us to be, this pure glorified version, has to give us hope for this version of life that uh, is not as broken as our current world is. Amen? So one of the things I thought about, I was trying to think of an analogy for this, and um, any chance I can kind of back my way into a Lord of the Rings analogy, I have to, you know, you got to, right? It's like the 11th commandment. So um, <laughs> one of the things that I thought about, that's I think so interesting about the story of the Lord of the Rings, and you probably know it if you have not seen the movies or read the books, it's just that there's all this stuff going on. There's battles, there's different, there's good and evil, there's different you know, sections of this world that are uniting to fight evil. There's different races. There's different kingdoms. There's all this stuff. But it all hinges on this ring being destroyed, this tiny little thing. All the fighting and, uh, you know, hullabaloo and, you know, bloodshed and all that stuff will pretty much not matter at all if this very important thing doesn't happen. And that is how I think we should think of the resurrection. Then another analogy, if you're not a Lord of the Rings person, is, um, did Brad just go out of the room? He'll love this because I'm talking about cars and I don't know anything about cars. But think about a car, how complicated it is, how much stuff is happening. I think there's things that connect. There's like hoses. There's electricity, I think, and, and gas and whatever else. But if you don't have a key, <laughs> if you don't have a key to turn it on and table the idea of hot wiring for a second, if you don't have a key to turn the car on, it does not matter. It's a very shiny, large, heavy piece of technology, and it does not matter. It will not get you anywhere. So that's another analogy if you're wanting to hate on me for doing Lord of the Rings stuff, okay? So um, do you see what Paul's saying here? Um, Does it make sense to you? Are you convinced that the resurrection is very important? I'm getting some nods here. That's kind of it, though. So there we go. There's some more. Nice. Uh, And if not, I'd really implore you just to read this some more. Think about it. Read in a few translations. That's why we're doing so much of like this sermon series, heavy scripture, (laughs) as you're realizing. 
It'll help a lot for you to read it on your own. We're going to read it together every Sunday, each section that we're going through. Then I'm going to read it to you again or whoever's preaching. And just to really soak up what Paul's saying, soak up the scripture and let ourselves um, really dive into it and think deeply about it. And I think it's, it's important that we resist the urge to move past things that are hard to work out and hard to think about. Jesus hard. Paul hard. Video game easy. TikTok easy. Me like easy. You know, resist that urge. We are higher than that. You know what I mean? We are being called to much more than what is easy. Um, so just think about that. <laughs> if you're ever feeling that way, just think, okay, I kind of sound like video game easy right now. I kind of don't sound like Jesus hard right now. Maybe I should uh, lean into what is hard. <laughs> so my third point is uh, something that Paul makes in a different order, but I want to reorder this. The resurrection should fundamentally affect our daily lives. So not just the larger scale, cosmic um, understanding that we have of the world and how Jesus and all that works together. It should make its way to also affecting our everyday life. I haven't really had a good head start on this because I'm a really hard sleeper. And so every night I go to bed and I die (laughs) cold. (laughs) I am completely out cold. There could be a fire on my chest and I would not wake up. And every day I'm so thankful God raises me from the dead in the morning. So it's easy for me to think about the resurrection every day. You guys might have a harder time. I get that. I'll have grace for you. So I have a head start. But I'm reordering the way that Paul says this because he kind of skates over it a little bit in the middle of, of chapter 15. But it's a really strong point that he's making while he's on this journey of talking about the resurrection. I think it's a good place for us to land this very bumpy plane ride. So how do we make it affect our daily lives? Aren't most of us just trying to make it one day at a time? (laughs) Aren't most of us just trying to get through today only? We'll figure out tomorrow or later. That is where most of us are at any given time. So let's figure out how to, or try to, make it one day at a time and think about the resurrection daily. So the section where Paul talks about this is, in verse 29 and 15, he says, Otherwise, what will they do um, who are being, otherwise, what will they do for those who are being baptized for the dead? They're dead or not raised at all. Then why are people baptized for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day. Paul was a hard sleeper as well. Um, just kidding. As surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do to me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses. Stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God. And I say this to your shame. Paul is just kind of like, if there's no resurrection, if this is all there is, then nothing matters. Let's just party and then give up. You know? Why sacrifice so much? Why work so hard? Why risk your life? In his case, he actually is risking his life often. Why devote yourself to anything? Why save anyone from nothing? And the opposite side of that is that it really does all matter. And this is not all that there is, which is such great news. That would be so boring and uh, also disheartening. (laughs) But there is great news that one who's come back from the dead conquered death, kind of the scariest thing for all of us other than public speaking, is death. So 
Someone's conquered that, and we will be raised from the dead just like he was. There is a lot of good reason to want to save other people. (laughs) There's a lot to drive us and motivate us and devote ourselves to daily. It's worth the risk, and it's worth sacrificing for. That's what Paul's saying by using the sarcastic counter to that. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. That's not familiar? Whoever lets go of his life for my sake will save it. There's not a middle ground there. Those are very extreme because it truly is that way. It either all matters or nothing matters. Sorry, there's not a lot of <laughs> little middle grounds, little landing places in there. It is um, extreme like that. Paul goes on to say in verse 50, um, kind of explaining this, this future of the resurrection for us. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We'll not all fall asleep, but we'll all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we'll all be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. This mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When the corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, therefore. So he says all that stuff. And then this last little bit. Therefore, in light of all that that's going to happen in the future, we will be raised again. We will be given this immortal body, our corrupt, broken, you know, very imperfect version that if we at our core admit to ourselves, we know is true, will be changed and will be gifted this thing we do not deserve that is this incorruptible, immortal life that Jesus gets the victory for that, gets the, gets the glory for that. So it says, therefore, in light of all of that good news, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work. You know that what you're doing today, you're, it's not, it's not going to be wasted. You are not laboring in vain. You can trust that. It's going to matter. Every day, be steadfast, resolute, determined in our service to the Lord. We're not wasting our effort or our time. It's all going to matter. It's all going to add up. So just to kind of restate my points, I think it has to happen in these three steps. And this is, to me, as much as anybody. So if you um, are in a different place, I totally understand. But for me, step number one is just to become unnumb to the resurrection. And number two is to realize that our faith hinges on it. And then three, let it drive our daily lives. Naturally, we didn't even get to some of the stuff in chapter 16, or all our questions answered, like Apollos not wanting to visit the Corinthians. I was still hanging in our minds how cool the house of Stephanus was and the offering to Jerusalem. Um, at the end of chapter 16, Paul gives a, a signature sign-off 
kind of thing that he does. The last words I want to leave you with, and I just thought I'd do my own instead of saying his um, to end our time this morning. Shake yourself awake. Wipe the dust out of your eyes. Knock the dirt out of your ears. Our Lord Jesus is alive. He's back from the dead. We're next. Get out of bed. Get off the couch. Don't get comfortable. There's limited time left to tell everybody. Jesus is back from the dead. There's no need for fear. There's no virtue and hesitation. True, lasting peace and paradise and perfection are right around the corner. So clock in. Submit your goals. Demote your preferences. Unify your heart. Clear your mind. Erase hate. Release anger. There's only room for love. Get ready to rise from the dead. Lord, thank you for your wonderful gift of resurrection. Thank you for being willing to give everything, to give your own life for our sake. Um, I don't have to think very long to realize how little I deserve that. Um, Help us to shake ourselves out of being used to this news we've heard all growing up, or if we're, we're not new to it, or we are new to it, Lord, just help it not become commonplace for us. It is such good news, Lord. You broke the rules. You didn't stay dead. <laughs> Lord, thank you for rising from the dead, conquering death for us, and offering us this way to new life in your perfect creation. Week to week, day to day, Lord, it gets hard. Please be with us. Encourage us to um, just remember your promises. Your version of creation is perfect. Your version of creation is going to be so good. We'll all be together in peace and harmony. The broken parts about us will be healed. Lord, thank you for being such a good God to us. Turn I pray. Amen. Good morning. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad to have you. We're glad that you decided to join us today, and I hope that you'll hang around for a few minutes afterwards so that we can get to know you and talk to you. Um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. Um, we would love to, to talk with you for a while. Um, just some announcements this morning. Josh McGinty, will you go ahead and come up? Um, Josh has an announcement. Uh, hey, everybody. So um, you do not have family that you're spending Easter with or friends that you're already spending Easter with. Hang out here. We're going to like try to get a group of people together. We'll see how big that group is and what we're going to do and where we're going to go. But we're all wanting to just hang out. Um, Hannah and I are going to lead the charge on that. And so if nobody can decide where we're going to eat, then we're going to decide. 
Um, but just to have lunch together as a uh, church family. If you have plans with family, don't feel like you have to uh, join us, but if you, you don't have any plans, come and join your church and have lunch with each other. Also, uh, for worship team, summer 2022 worship team, uh, there's going to be new signups for that. Uh, we, we know some people are going to be gone for the summer. Some people might be here and there uh, throughout the summer. So there's a space to uh, explain that. If you're interested in joining worship team, sign up. Even if you're a part of worship team already, sign up again uh, so we know. If you signed up last uh, for this spring semester and didn't get on a team, we're going to try really hard to get you on a team. Uh, so if you're available this summer, please sign up again. Um, I think that is all right now. Be sure to answer all those questions and uh, reach out to me or Garvin. If you have any questions at all, we are happy to uh, talk to you about worship. Thanks. So you guys are aware of um, the article we have called Caring About Race and Racism Like God Does. And in that, there are some resources. And we wanted, we know how it is to look at resources and go, oh, those would be good things to read. We should do that and then never do it. So we wanted as a church just to ask you guys to read the first one that's on that list. It's called Our Pain is Not Your Classroom. It's short. Um, it's an easy read in the sense of reading. It is not an easy read in terms of um, the emotional impact, I think. It's kind of hard to read, honestly, a lot of the things that are in there. But it's a really good article, and so we're going to ask everybody to read that together over the next few weeks and have conversations among each other. Um, and so I just really want to encourage you to take the time to do that. You can access that through our website. So if you go to the menu and you go to content and you go to race, then it'll take you to that article. And then in that article, there's a link to that resource. Also, our women's book club for the um, book Out of Sorts was scheduled to meet next weekend, but we're going to extend that. So we'll give you another date. We had several people that said they hadn't had time to read the book yet. And so we're going to put that off a little bit. So that will not happen next weekend, but listen up, and we will be giving you a date soon about when that will happen. And then our all-church cookout is going to be on April 30th from 6 to 8 at the ranch. You guys make sure you have that on your calendar. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to grill burgers and hot dogs. We'll have games um, it'll just be a lot of fun to be together. But we need you to sign up for that. So we're going to provide the meat and the paper goods, but we need you guys to sign up to bring some of the other things for our meal and so that we know how much meat to buy. So if you haven't done that already, do that, please. It is, um, again, on the website and in the newsletter, and there's a link that you can click in order to sign up for that. And then Spring Hita is this week. If you don't know what that is, Spring Hita is our fundraiser for teen camp during the summer. And while we don't have any teens at uh, DNC, we will have teens because we have a lot of babies and eventually they're gonna be teens too. And we also all care about teens. Like who of us would not care about that? And we have teens at a lot of our other churches. And so this is an opportunity to help cut down on the cost for that camp. Spring Hita is a silent auction, which I believe starts Thursday. Um, it will be online. 
And then there's also a live auction, which will be Saturday evening at the Garland Church, as well as raffle tickets and also a fajita dinner. That's where spring heat comes from. So that's this weekend. So if you haven't already signed up, again, they really need people to pre-register. So you can find that link in our newsletter as well as on our website and do that. If you need any help with that, you can let us know. And then just a reminder for giving, you can do that through Tithely online. We also have uh, Venmo set up. You can do it through Venmo. Um, But our giving is important, so please make sure that you continue to do that. And then just last thing this morning is um, that our brother Joe is back with us after two years of being quarantined. Um, And so this is super exciting to have him here with us today. Yeah, so make sure you take some time to welcome him back if you don't know him, which some of you probably don't since he wasn't here when you first came then he's sitting back here with cowboy hat on, so please come back and welcome him. Uh, Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for uh, this time together today to focus on resurrection. Um, Thank you so much for the hope that we have in that. I pray that you would unnumb our hearts and that we would feel the full effect of what that means to us and what that cost Christ and Um, Just that we can celebrate today the hope of the resurrection. Help us to share that with other people. And help us as we go through today and as we go through this week to really um, meditate on that and think about that and let it really fill us with life um, that can flow out of us into people around us. Um, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the people here this morning. I just pray a blessing over us as we go out into the week um, that we're able to share Jesus with people. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.